There was once a blind golfer. A blind golfer. And this golfer went to a professional golf tournament as a fan. And he stood on the side of the fairway on the rope line with a giant sign that said, I bet one million dollars I can beat Tiger Woods at golf, and I'm blind. He naturally attracted a lot of attention, and finally Tiger Woods, who was playing in that tournament, walked right by him and saw this sign, I bet a million dollars I can beat Tiger Woods at golf, and I'm blind. Well, Tiger Woods, very competitive man with a bit of an ego, goes over to him, talks with him, and says, do you really think you can beat me at golf for a million dollars? Because that was chump change to Tiger Woods. And the man said, yes, I, I absolutely do. So they shook on it. And then the blind golfer said, all right, let's play tomorrow at this course, 11 o'clock PM. <laughs> all kidding aside, it's very difficult to imagine being blind. Uh, we wouldn't be able to see people around us. We wouldn't be able to see the beauty of the earth. And in our gospel today, as we've probably heard many times, the Old Testament Hebrew faith equated sin with physical blindness. The blindness was a sign of sin. But as Christ taught us in our gospel today, that is not the case. However, Christ also teaches us in this gospel that just as there is a physical blindness, there's a spiritual blindness as well that we have to be aware of. And while there isn't a connection between physical blindness and sin, there is. There absolutely is a connection between sin and spiritual blindness. So we have to realize that spiritual blindness is worse than physical blindness. And physical blindness, as bad as it might be, it's just a couple small parts of our body that aren't functioning properly. But spiritual blindness can truly lead to the destruction of our souls. It's a punishment, or at least a fate, far worse. And we have to realize that the source of spiritual blindness is sin. Sin blinds us, brothers and sisters. When we are in sin, we're not able to see the full picture. And our ability to discern between right and wrong becomes a little bit more clouded. So we see less and less, and therefore we're less aware of our sinfulness, and therefore we're less likely to repent and be reconciled. So if we can't tell right from wrong, then we're not going to be able to determine whether or not we're going the right way. We're more likely to fall, and when we have fallen, it's hard for us to see a way out. It really is a vicious cycle, all of it stemming from spiritual blindness. However, the one area I want to focus on today is the area which I would argue is the greatest source of spiritual blindness in our society today. And that is the loss of the sense of sin. What's that? Well, our sense of sin is our ability to recognize sin for what it is. It's our ability to recognize sin, to perceive it, to identify it, to be sensitive to it, and therefore to be able to make decisions based off of that, hopefully decisions that go away from the given sin. And unfortunately, this sense has been lost for most of our society today. I recently came across a very wonderful quote that said this, the greatest sin of our century is the loss of the sense of sin. That wasn't said a couple months ago, it wasn't said last year, 
It was said in 1946 by Pope Pius XII, the greatest sin of our century is the loss of the sense of sin. And he's absolutely right. Because unfortunately, a lot of people don't believe in sin today. They don't believe that it exists. And even if they believe it exists, they might say something like, well, Vatican II got rid of all of that, didn't they? No, it didn't. Sin absolutely exists. And we need to be aware of it. We need to recognize it when it starts to creep into our lives. And if we subscribe to the self-help philosophy of I'm okay, you're okay, we are spiritually blind. We shouldn't say I'm okay, you're okay. It should be I'm a sinner and you're a sinner. That's what we should be saying. A couple of factors, I think, that lead to this loss of the sense of sin, first of which, a denial of objective truth, or a denial of absolute truth. Because if there's no such thing as truth, there's no such thing as right and wrong. And if there's no such thing as right and wrong, there's no sin. It's pretty simple. And our world denies that there is objective truth. Our world denies that there are things that are always true, no matter what, whether we like them, whether we believe them, or whether we agree with them. I was actually quite amused this past week at the Time magazine cover, Is Truth Dead? And independent of the current climate, I laughed because I, I said to myself, we're really asking this question now? We've been denying truth for the better part of a hundred years. How often have we heard the phrase something like, well, that's my truth. Or that might be true for you, but that's not true for me. It's absolutely ridiculous. No one says two plus two is five for me. No, no. There is objective truth. There are certain things that are always true no matter what. Jesus is God. He founded the church. The church is guided by the Holy Spirit. And also, two plus two equals four. No matter what, it never changes. And so if there is objective truth, then there is such a thing as right and wrong. And therefore, sin must exist. So a denial of objective truth leads to a denial of sin and a loss of our sense of sin and makes us spiritually blind. Another factor that we could possibly look at is the wonderful philosophy of do whatever your conscience tells you. If your conscience tells you it's okay, you're fine. Go right ahead. This is also dead wrong, and it leads to blindness. Well, yes, we should follow our consciences. That is true. But there's an important caveat. Our consciences need to be well-formed. We need to listen to our conscience, yes, but they should be well-formed. If our conscience is telling us to rob a bank, or to participate in acts that go against chastity, or even if just X, Y, or Z isn't really a sin, but it actually is, our consciences need to be formed much better. Badly formed consciences can blur our ability to see what's right and what's wrong, and can lead us further into spiritual blindness. So, what can we do? What's the best way to prevent this loss of the sense of sin in our lives? It's pretty simple. A well-formed conscience. We have to form our conscience as well. When we're forming our consciences, we need to look to sacred scripture. We need to look to the church, and we need to look to the magisterium. Those wonderful voices of authority and clarity 
in our world today. And we need to remember that, yes, the church is guided by the Holy Spirit. So it's not a case of the blind leading the blind here. The church knows what she's doing. She's been doing this for 2,000 years. And we have a duty to form our consciences according to the truth, to seek the real and objective truth, to know what is truly right and wrong, and therefore we're called to act on it and stay out of sin. So brothers and sisters, let's end this cycle now. Let's see clearly and recognize that truth exists. Let's form our conscience as well so that we don't lose our sense of sin, so that we can be restored to full sight, be cured from spiritual blindness, and see clearly once more.